welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Oh no. <laughs> welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. I've just been assaulted by hot coffee and I'm considering a lawsuit against one Father Michael O'Laughlin. I don't this know why Father I'm I don't Michael know why Lapp. I'm listening to you and letting and letting this be recorded, but I yes, this was, work for this was an assault. I will never sit across, <laughs> straight across from you again. Oh my god! What just happened? <laughs> I was sitting here, like preparing my Bible for this podcast, <laughs> and he looks at me and spits this mouthful of coffee in my general direction. <laughs> well, no, I mean it splashed me all over. It was, yeah, it was kind of all over the whole room. Uh, so <laughs> and he's he would not even, he wouldn't let me explain. Morning. This is morning, people. We're not drinking. Yeah, right. We're this not... is coffee. We're we're drinking. He would not let me explain this unless I was recording. Um. So anyway, listeners will know that I, I have an esophageal stricture. I've mentioned that before. I have two of them. These are just that's an excuse. My... <laughs> it's like a water gun. I got a water gun <laughs> built into my throat. <laughs> Okay, so sorry. It's, so it's sorry, a, this is I have two. Disease, it, it is. It is actually, and it, it's genetic. Um, but I. It, so my I got esophagus, shaky hands genetically. I like. We, that's right. We saw that the other day weird, yeah, with these weird, weird things. But my dad has it too. He had his. He had his, his. Had his fixed, and I need to do that for mine. But I have two of them. One up. Does high. he do that too? Okay, go on. Yeah. <laughs> he, although, well, it's it, this. That that's actually not the worst symptom of it. Um, but what it is is you you have like bands in your esophagus that actually tighten it up, and so so I have two places in my esophagus and my throat where where it's a lot thinner than than it should be. One is like down right at the base of my sternum. That's the really dangerous one, and then and then there's one up up right near like right at the top of my throat. So and what I, did you say they are? They're like that. They're just. It's almost like if you took a you took a rubber band and, and put it around a water balloon. It, it it's just like it's a stricture. It tightens up. The esophagus. So, in other words, the um, and then it just releases at random. What just happened? No, <laughs> explain to me what just happened. What just happened I, was I lifted just, my I, head and then it happened. I didn't really get to <laughs> see the process. There. So what and happens I'm, is, is I'm curious. Over time, I've had to learn. Like whenever I eat anything, I need to drink a lot of water with it because it just again food will get stuck. And then, like the balloon, it just like like the balloon, it just gets it gets stuck, shot out. Right. So what happens is, if I drink too quickly or something like that, it'll just it'll just it'll it'll clog up the entire part of the esophagus, and then I just won't it won't go down my throat. Oh. So so in other words, if if I like chug water, so then it it's just, all just like piling up. Yeah, it just I... does not go down. So and I, like it, it, it'll take a second, but what happened? What happened then was is I was about to hit record, and I was just getting a little bit quick. I was like, I need to take a sip of water, and or to take a sip of coffee, and so I anyway I just kind of shot it down my throat, and it had nowhere to go. So it. So you really have to be like that intentional all the time. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. And I mean, the struggle the, is real. Yeah. I, I mean, I've discerned that actually the, what's a lot worse is if it gets stuck. Like I was telling you, the last time that happened was probably four years ago. It's been a while, um, but it was it was at a, I was at a party. I was drinking beer, and and I did the same thing. Like this whole group of friends that were all gathered around me. Like thank God they were like that's no worries, bro. Like that is cool. But they're like brand new friends. It was horribly embarrassing. Um, but yeah. So but the lower one, if if something gets stuck in the lower one, like like usually it's like rice or something like that, it'll stay there for hours. And oh, I, I can't swallow anything, and it's it just. Can we get you some like Drano or something <laughs> like natural? Of course, I don't want you drinking you know, Drano. What they do, kids? Is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, please don't. No listening. No, what they, what they do is that they put ball bearings down your throat, oh, like bigger, no. bigger ones to widen it out, and then they give you meds to kind of keep it from contracting again. You know what I'm going to recommend? Sorry no. if this is too much information for <laughs> any listeners. <laughs> uh, they know this show. <laughs> it's always too much information. Yeah, it's true. Welcome. I, so I'm going to recommend not ball bearings because those I can't see like those dissolving, but Skittles. <laughs> Skittles. I think if you, if just you take ever, it's the ever same shape Skittles, yeah. or lemon heads, just swallow <laughs> there them we go. straight. That'll clear you out. No, they put these ball bearings in like a sock. And they just and then they put it down and pull it back up again. Yeah, it's it's and and you're you're. My dad said he was awake the whole time, and so you're just like it's horrible. It feels like you're being waterboarded for like an hour. Oh boy. Yeah. So sorry, Mister Olo. Yeah, I know. But he he he's been better since. But he has to take these meds, and and I'm gonna have to do the same thing. So 
I'm just, I'm just, I'm thinking I'm adapting, but that revealed right there, I'm not adapting very well to the. Uh, no, you're the doing physical great, mutation doing in my great. body. These oh, thank you. Happen. Thank you for the encouraging, encouraging words. These yeah. things happen. You get, you know, slip ups. Um, so we're drinking this coffee. He, Father Michael has a case of decaf coffee that's been sitting here yeah. for about. 12 years. I bought and, accidentally. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you, how oh, you yeah. ended up with that, because I got he it refuses home. to drink this stuff. So yeah. I come over to his house once every, you know, twice a year, three times a year, and drink right. one of those <laughs> little koi rig cups. Yeah. I know. I, I bought it accidentally. It was like, I was just in the store. I was in a hurry. Just, I was like, oh, that looks like local coffee. Grabbed it through uh-huh. my basket and got it home, and it was decaf. It was like this. Uh, thank God I had also bought caffeinated and so, like, yeah. I had that too. So, but yeah, it's been little curd cups in there for. Doesn't now I hear like a lot of complaints about decaf, and people roll their eyes and they're like, "Why even drink it?" and everything, all yeah. this stuff. And I'm like, "There's got to be other decaf lovers." Out I there. think it's you a, know, an like, elitist I thing. I don't just it's go a hipster for, elitist thing. Is it yeah. decaf? No, 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 no. People that hate decaf. Oh, yeah. Like it's Whaley. like the people who are too good for skim milk. Shout out to Andrew Whaley, that turd. He 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 always criticizes me for drinking decaf. But like he he's he's what if you just probably like, you like coffee? Yeah, you like the flavor, but you can't handle too much drugs. That's, Caffeine yeah. is a drug, man. That'll just get you all wired. Yesterday I was buzzing. <laughs> I, we had a board meeting, yes. and uh, oh, thanks the to the board meeting. Thanks to the board uh, for Catholic stuff. You should know they're wonderful people. We've got a great team, and things are just hopping and kicking. And yeah. it's just like it was really exciting, and it was fun to see them. Um, yeah, Mark and Lacey up in Montana. Lacey, thanks for lending out Mark. <laughs> she's taking care of all the kids. Um, seven kids, seven kids, she's and she's got a new one. But she is like so much energy. You would think. He'd be like Energizer Buddy. <laughs> nice. She's got the IV of coffee, you know. Nice. Um, but uh, Mark's a fantastic guy, and he comes and he's just super helpful to us. Um, our boy Garrett, he's been on the he's he's been on the legal front for us for a while, and then uh, Mark's kind of our our accountant guy, along with Andrea and her dad. Yeah, yeah. And Mike's got the tech side and yep. a lot of the web stuff and Andrea's awesome and so I, I yeah I just want to thank them and we had a really fun time yesterday it's like this we could we could do this full time it would be oh, so yeah. fun because it's just a great time whenever we get together and um so probably like they say distance makes the heart fonder or right, something like that right. it's probably the right balance but um it sure is fun well I'm pr- you you're pretty much living with with a uh, nepple I mean, in Rome, you mean you, you right. guys li- live an intentional community. I'm about to do that with Goebel. so oh, I'll yeah. be I'll be actually living with him, living in the house. We got like four or five priests in there coming up, but um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll be living there with him, and uh, so yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how the podcast changes. Yeah. Based, you're gonna upon love and hate it. More intimacy, yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but it's it's just good, you know. What a good thing it is where brothers dwell together yeah. as one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, thanks to the board. Thanks to thanks for to all the fans for a, a great year of uh, the podcast. I think one of the the best things about getting together every year for the board meeting is that we just get to kind of review all the graces mm-hmm. that have happened that year. And like all the great stuff that's come from the podcast, and that's not to like float our own boat, but it's just to get you know motivated, remind ourselves what God's doing, yeah. and just kind of sit back and watch that stuff. It's almost like the privilege of the priest is when you're working in the parish, you just get to see God working in a lot of people's lives yeah. and stuff. It's like you get just this little bit higher view. You're on a little bit of a balcony, and then you get to see this stuff happening. And it's so beautiful, you know, yeah. and it stirs up your faith and everything. So, and also the nice thing about having a board is that, like, I think we we priests, I mean, you're in studies. I'm a pastor. Same thing with with uh, John and Goble. Um, like, we we have other things we're doing, and so too often, you know, things like this get put on the back burner. Now we we hold each other accountable to like the timing of the recordings of the podcast. But I mean, how, how many times have we mentioned merch? Like, like, oh, we're we're gonna make t-shirts and stickers. Like, we've said that so many times, but. It came up at the board meeting yesterday, and it's like, well, yeah. okay, we're we're saying it might be on the back burner for us, but thank God we have a board that's gonna, you know, make sure this happens. So, I guess teaser, we 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 are gonna be doing merchandise at least. Oh yes, uh, that's going to, you know, that we're actually gonna act on and have it available. 
they didn't like my my ideas for merchandise. I mean, I wanted to do um, a Catholic stuff you should know Tesla. I wanted to do. Uh, my friend recently got these golf pants that are spandex, okay. and they're like super comfy, and you can wear them to work. You know, okay. they look like formal pants right, and everything. Right. And I want to do Catholic okay. stuff you should know spandex pants. <laughs> That sounds really weird, but I swear these. <laughs> I swear they do these look like normal pants. Look yeah. like just great normal dress pants. They don't have pictures of the Pope all over them or something like that. Yeah, stretchy bands. Stretchy bands. Um, what other ideas? I had the a button. lot. Of, I had a lot button. of great. Well, the button is real, man. People want buttons. <laughs> the button that you see. You when we travel and we do like live events, right? You do the button. It's the live button, man. It's not like you're going to order that online, right? But oh, I see. So we'll just have one. We'll probably do like T-shirts and hats. And so the button like idea was that you have you, you didn't talk about this before on the podcast, did you? No. So it's just a big button you wear on your shirt that says Catholics have yeah, you should know. It's a button. You remember buttons? And, and <laughs> they got that little pin in the back, and you could hurt yourself. And, and then you push it, and no, you don't. I don't. This, this is what I'm talking that. about. I know. Well, you wanted to have an electric button that has a loon call. I wanted to. This was your idea. Oh, and it makes somebody a added sound. that, and I thought that is uh, very complicated. Be. That yeah. involves like electronics and right. programming. No, 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 no. But we would like to have like. How again, about this? Yes. When I when I touch your button, you do the loon call. <laughs> that would be much more simple. Just like that movie Tag, which I did not see, can't recommend. But like they they, they these friends play tag for like 40 years but anyway th- that That's could be we could, a movie premise it is <laughs> oh my goodness what is I, I, I heard it was a horrible movie and i, I never saw it. but anyway the uh but that'd be pretty funny like it's almost like laser tag but like you try to you try to push the other guys i don't think button. this is hard to <laughs> what about you sneak i yeah i don't know variations um, that was like we're going to do this Sikh conference, yeah, in Indianapolis, and that I was guess an we're idea saying that publicly Sikh. now. Yeah, well, all four of us will be at. Oh, at maybe Sikh. I just announced That's that. Right. But we well, did we decide did. that at yeah. the board meeting. Yeah, we did. So all four of us will be at Seek in Indianapolis in January 2019, the Focus Conference. It'll be awesome. Uh, January, th- what is it? Third through seventh, I think Third is the, the is the full conference. We don't know when we're going to be on yet. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. But uh, those are awesome events, and I'm looking forward. I've never been, so I'm I've never really been stoked. either. Everybody just says that's like the, for for young Catholic young people, that's like the yeah. event. It's so fun. And I have I have two siblings and their spouses in focus. So shout out Teresa, Vision Teresa, Colin Gibbons, and Joseph and Sesca O'Loughlin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so we're doing buttons. <laughs> now you now <laughs> I guess we're committed. We <laughs> now we're committed. Now we have to do that stuff. Um, what else? Uh, you got chocolates on your table that are catching my eye because they have the oh. the shell from yes. the Camino. Yeah, and so those are the- those are actually Swiss chocolates from uh, Rachel Sweeney. So she gave me. I don't think this is actually supposed to be the uh, Camino shell, but it is a shell. Oh, it is. Can Saint, you read that? Saint Jacob. It's in German. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh well, Saint Jacob. Of course. Never mind. Yeah. Of course, it says Saint it's, Jacob. It's, so yeah, it's the Camino. No. So it's a Schnellzung von Tradition frische und raffines. So I think it's like the 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 taste of tradition, freshness, and refinement. Refinement. All right. Um, Fills each uh, gaumen. I I don't know piece or. Okay. Yeah, Rachel Sweeney's my spiritual director, and she gave me these gifts when she came back from her little pilgrimage to beauty in uh, Switzerland. So they, anyway, yeah. last time Goebel and John ate it all, but anyway. <laughs> that's, were you I'm, here? I'm not, that's you not here. a surprise either. I think you were here when I came in, weren't you? You were over there working. You were working in the dining room. Oh, that's I it. came in, yeah, Goebel yeah. and John were recording, and I brought right. the chocolate. and they were yeah. eating your yeah, chocolates. Yeah, exactly. The word nougat is a fun word. Okay, so um, <laughs> I... Uh, we're going to give you a new nickname every single time you come on the podcast. Father Cub, last time, I like the nickname Nougat. Nougat? This is Nougat, Father I don't Nougat. mind that, but it kind of, it kind of sounds like <laughs> Ted Nugent, like that, right, right. you know, rock star or yeah. whatever. I don't even really know his music very well, but yeah, I think he was a guitar, uh, like soloist. It's quite stuff. the conservative personality nowadays. They, they like him having all the oh, conservative that's right. rallies. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's one of those celebrity yeah, exactly. conservatives. All right, well, I don't know what we're talking about anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we're going from Let, Let's Nugget, do holy things Ted to the holy. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll move into, into the sublime. What about, okay, so um, 
yesterday was the feast of Saint Pantalepon. Pantalemon. Pantalemon. Yes. And we did a divine Byzantine liturgy. Yeah. So I live with this guy, um, Ron Barashas, Father Ron. Okay, right, yeah, from Passaic. he's often inviting us to, to passively concelebrate something. Okay. And I don't know what that means. He, he uses that word passively concelebrate? Passively concelebrate. Oh, so you don't know that that well, is. Well, I don't. Maybe he made that up. That might be, I don't, I don't know, so I'm not going to say too much. But I, that, what that might be is he might be wanting you to just, like, kind of concelebrate as you would a Roman mass, but it's a Byzantine liturgy. In other words, kind of be up on the altar and say the words of consecration along with him. But you don't have any parts or something. Right. Like and and in, the, in the Byzantine liturgy, you're, you're really supposed to, if you're celebrating, you vest fully, you, you say every word that the celebrant does, you just whisper oh, it. okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, if, if I had, like, like for, um, uh, for Bunderson's wedding... We had we had a Father Ray up there. Um, we had like nine priests all around the altar. Most of them had never celebrated a Byzantine divine liturgy. So I met them with uh, with met with them the night before. Gave them all photocopies of the Euclogy and the book we use, and then we just marked it up heavily. I was like, Garonsky says this, Gobel says this, and just gave everybody a part. And then um. we, we we went through the uh, entrances and said, "Here's how we're going to walk." So if you have that much time to prepare a, a priest who's never celebrated the Byzantine liturgy before, it's great. If not, you had to do what I did with you guys. Yesterday. Yesterday. I just kind of point to the book here, chant this. Okay. I say, I whisper, we're going to walk around the tetrapod right now. We're going to do this entrance. And, you know, here's how you receive the Eucharist, you know, point at the Eucharist, say this with me type thing. Like oh, that. it was yeah. great. I was, I have to admit, I was a little nervous because I'd never done this. Right. And yeah, just ritual. You all, all you Catholics know, this is like highly rubricized. Right. So you're supposed to be bound now. Yep. You say this prayer, and it makes it so standard and predictable that we all just love it. Yeah. Like, you go anywhere in the world, and you're going to get the same thing, right? So that's just part of our tradition, and it's great, but when you get into a different <laughs> one, it's, like, kind of intimidating and everything. Right. So I was like, oh, am I going to do it right? Even, like, there's muscle memory. Right. You know? Like, if, if I'm doing the sign of the cross, yep. my arm wants to reach across... To the left shoulder and then to the right shoulder. <laughs> right. And it's backward right. in, I don't know, like you could argue one way or the other. The Probably opposite, yeah. Roman tradition. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's the opposite. Yeah. Um, when you do the sign of the cross in this yeah. liturgy, and you do the sign of the cross about a million times. Yes. yes. At least a thousand. Right. And, you, and, you, and you're right, it is, and we almost always make a metanoia, make a bow with the sign of the cross. So, so it, is, it is kind of odd, or like when I'm praying with you guys, morning or evening prayer, I do try to like force myself to go to the left first when I'm making the sign of the cross. Um, anyway, for those who have never heard this before, the, the, two, the two churches, two traditions, the Roman Catholic and then there's Eastern Catholic churches, the Byzantine Catholic Church is one of those. Um, generally, the, the Western Catholic churches or church with the various rites make the sign of the cross, forehead, chest, left shoulder, right shoulder, within generally an open hand, I guess, sometimes two fingers. Whereas in the, in the Eastern Catholic churches, you generally go to the right first where you put three fingers together and to tuck two fingers. So the, your thumb, your um, index finger, and your middle finger, put them together. Uh, tuck your ring finger and your pinky into your thumb and then make the sign of the cross. Um, forehead, chest, right shoulder, left shoulder. And depending on the tradition, you either make the bow during the sign of the cross or um, usually after the sign of the cross. So make the sign of the cross, then bow to the ground. See, listen to this precision. This is yeah. what was oh, intimidating. Yeah. But the cool thing is I, I do think there was like... A, something relaxed about it. Maybe that's just Father Michael, but it was uh, like, yeah, I didn't feel like if I get it wrong, I need to like, you know, throw up the flag and say, hey, right. start over, start over. Right. I got that. Uh, yeah. So it was fun. It was, it was beautiful. Um, I love that stuff. It's just part of the richness of the Catholic yeah. reality. And um, an old liturgy of St. John Chrysostom. Yeah, 1,700-year-old liturgy. We still do. Yeah. We, we've added a little bit from it, taken a little bit from it, but generally it's the same thing, and we, we do it in English. But yeah, I mean, all of this can sound, the rituals can sound very legalistic, like you have to do it this way, and we're obsessed with it. But once you get them down, it really does add a certain rhythm that's yeah. conducive to prayer. So we make the sign of the cross at various times. Anytime you hear the name of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you make the sign of the cross. Generally, whenever you hear the word blessed, 
you make the sign of the cross. And but also the, there are certain rituals like the Trisagion, holy, holy, holy. You make the sign of the cross each time you do it. Um, every time you hear a saint that you have a devotion to. Like you can make the sign of the cross. I make it even if I'm like in the middle of the divine liturgy and I think of someone that I want to pray for. It's instead of just saying like, oh, this person came to mind, actually physically making the sign of the cross becomes like, it's become sacramental. Like mm-hmm. there's a, there's a emotion associated with my thought and prayer for that person during the divine liturgy. And it, it it's a sacramental thing, but it does become restful and relaxing. And the structure is conducive to prayer just to say, you know, I'm going to do something with what's going on in my mind. The thought came in, this person needs prayer, and so I made the sign of the cross. It's almost like putting a candle in the sand or lighting a candle yeah. for somebody, you know, doing I like something this. for I somebody. I like this, but don't you t- teach my Roman Catholics to do this <laughs> stuff? <laughs> because the things in the, in the Roman world, yeah, it's like the wave at the ball game, uh-huh. you know? If somebody stands up and does something, everybody's right. going to start doing it. And if <laughs> they repeat it, and they repeat it three times, right. it's a, it, you know it's going into custom. This is what we do. This now, is yeah. like the thing with the holding hands. Right. Everybody holds hands yeah. at the Our Father. That was never written into the liturgy. Yeah. It's not a part of tradition. Somebody just started doing it. Yeah. I think it was like a kid who wanted to hold mom's hand or yeah. something, and then everybody was like, I'm supposed to do that too. Or some that, teenage you know, boy action. that was looking for an opportunity to grab yeah, the hand exactly. of the girl standing next to him. Yeah. So now everybody's doing And more recently, there's this thing with, during our, um, our penitential rite at the beginning, mm. there's a um, absolution that the priest prays. Right. Oh, May Almighty God cross. forgive us our yeah. sins, bring us to everlasting, you know, this one. And... Um, Everybody is starting to cross themselves yeah. during this thing. And it I don't know where it came from, but it was like that spark and then a wildfire and that's been now a couple everybody decades. Wants to do it. In college, we you know, we were Were they doing it? We were told, you know, uh, that's not a part of the tradition to make some of the cross during the absolution after the penitential rite. Yeah. Or I mean, say uh, same thing. Actually, we get asked this. So, real quick, uh, you, you're the Roman Catholic priest. People do ask about holding hands during their father. What is our opinion on that? So, if you don't mind, I'd say speak on it real quick. People want to well, know. Well, I don't think they're going to like my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I have to confess, even though I'm very orthodox, I think um, I have pretty good judgment and I'm pretty trustworthy. This is where I'm going to get myself in trouble with like, the guys that I live with in Rome oh. and some of the more. You don't need to go there if you don't traditionalist want Traditionalist-leaning right? groups. So right. my take is like... The majority of American Catholics like this mm. and find it to be like a point of connection. And that's in a greater sort of um, sociocultural environment of isolation and individualism. Right. I didn't know. How do you say that? Individual. Individualism, I got this, yeah. I got this echo in I my know, headphones. I know. I have half of it pulled kind off of my headphones. Okay. So uh, things kind of come around and arise. There is a category in liturgy called custom, where if a local place has been doing something for a long time, it becomes part of the ritual, or it has to be respected as something that you can't get rid of without good reason. Okay. Right? And now this is, you know, there's a lot of particular things, but you could sneak in, you know, saints' prayers, local devotions, there's... Um, particular prayers in the, in the Mass. There's things that you just don't change, like this rubric that um, you're preserving a, a liturgy of Chrysostom for right. however many years, 1,700 yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, we're preserving a liturgy from, you know, Gregory the Great was like 1,400 years now, yeah. you know. It's... And probably from before that. So you've got to be really careful right. to add things, change things, or whatever. Certainly to make rules out of customs. So right. we don't, we're careful not to do like universal rules that come from these little practices that people are yeah. doing. But there's also like a respect that things can come up and it can work in prayer for a local culture. Now, I know a lot of good Catholics, very prayerful and very pious, who are very distracted by right. the hand holding or. They feel like they're uncomfortable and everything. And part of that is like, you're probably uncomfortable because you live in your own little bubble. 
and you don't don't want anybody to break your bubble. Right. And it's kind of good mm-hmm. for the sake of community and vulnerability to have your bubble broke. Yeah. So we do a sign of peace, and you got to do this sign of peace. Right. Even if you say, "I don't like to shake people's hand. I don't like that person. I don't want to be touched. I don't. I'm not comfortable." That's something we do. Mm. You know. So you ha- you got to do that. And there's part of liturgy that like makes you bump into people. Right. Get out of yourself. Right. And I I there's a reason why this fad has caught on and why everybody's into it and the majority really love it. Mm. There are some, there are enough people I've heard who really hate it. Mm. And so my policy is just if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Mm. You know, it's right. okay. Right. It's okay. I live I've lived all over the world. People you got to know all over the world nobody's doing that. Right. You know, you just you fold your hands or they're at your side, whatever. No, nobody's doing what? No one's holding hands. Oh, really? For it's the only Godfather. US thing. It's only in the oh, US. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then you come, you, you, you know, you, you're doing a mass in, in Italy or you go to the papal thing and it looks funny. You can tell where the Americans are because yeah. they try to like look <laughs> around and hold each other's hands and huh. try to grab the hands of somebody else and okay. they just look at them like, what? Right, right. Um, so it is, I mean, it's totally a local thing. And I don't know if the bishops introduced it or liturgists or right. if it just came up organically. But I, I do think people feel really like, I don't, like somebody's watching them and judging, you know, how, if they do things right, right. the rituals. So there's a, and there's a couple of ways that I think it really, um, the first is in this case with the holding, holding hands, just don't hold the hand if you don't want to hold the hand. Right. You know? And then the people judge you, fine, whatever. But you, then you become the person who doesn't like to hold the hand. Right. And then it's okay. They yeah. worry about themselves. They probably don't want to hold the hand. Mm. I don't know. Whatever. Give the sign of peace to that person, and then it's cool. Yeah. You know? If they're really that uncomfortable, they can talk to you about it, or they can, you know, like sit somewhere else or whatever. Yeah. So um, just, I, I think there's freedom there. Don't feel pressure. And then the other one is people feel pressure to go to communion because you get into this line and then it's all yeah, like right. you're in the flow of the river. Right. And you got to do it. Well, you got to be real careful about this one because you got to receive the communion in the right state, you right. know, in a state of grace. So if you need to go to confession before you receive communion, just don't go up, right. you know, sit in your pew, sit at the end of a pew. Yeah. Um, just feel, feel the freedom. And don't look around and wonder who's judging you. Just you, your judge is God, right. and that's important. That's more important than anybody else around there. Right. Father's not going to be worried about it. He's not going to be hard on you. The other people shouldn't, so they can mind their own business. You yeah. know. So anyway, I don't want to just tough. Like, I know there's different customs in in the, between the the churches, but also between the parishes about things like that. I think it was, wasn't it Shapu one time who said. If you're not gonna, if you're if you're not gonna receive the Eucharist, stay in your pew. Like that, that was that was the policy he was instituting, at least at the cathedral and at least at his masses. Yeah, but then and that's some what the, that's what say, our Hispanics do. Okay, you know that's kind of normal for them. But okay, then some priests will say, "Come up for a blessing." You know, where you come up and then you, you, you either go to a priest or deacon and receive a blessing, or you go to an extraordinary minister and you receive a you know a a a, a, a command or a prayer, whatever you want to call it. You know, receive our Lord Jesus Christ in your heart. In, in the Byzantine tradition I grew up, and there's different traditions in the Byzantine churches too, um, you'd come up and the priest would actually put the chalice on top of your head. And you'd, you know, if, if you bowed, instead of opening your mouth to receive, he'd put it on top of your head, you'd receive like a blessing with the yeah. Eucharist. Just don't swing your head up real fast. Right, no, I mean, that's a problem with kids. I mean, that, that does happen with, with Roman Catholic kids that don't receive because they, you know, they bow their head, but then they, they just do it very quickly and you're, you know, you're yeah. trying to control. So there are, there are dangers with all of this, of course. Well, yeah, come up for a blessing, you know. I, I think there's just the reasons are are kind of practical, and that those are less important than the spiritual ones. Right? You know, right. like you don't want people stepping over you, and it's you know it slows down the flow of yeah. you know. So, I, if you're comfortable getting the blessing, crossing your arms over your yeah. over your chest, and um, it's that's a little more public. Like right. you know, people can see you up there or. You kind of feel like you're presenting yourself in a certain way. Um, if it's more comfortable sitting in the pew, I just think like you, you get a blessing at mass, and in our tradition, like those are the those are the blessings. Right, communion is right. for communion. So that is just a way to allow 
people who are not comfortable taking communion or aren't right. ready to yep. go through the line yeah. and then feel connected or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I actually like more. I like more diversity in in those smaller things, like the non-rubrical posture. You know, like, like you know, during the Our Father, because I've seen people when I celebrate Roman Mass that that don't do the sign of peace. I mean, they'll just sit there with their eyes closed, and their arms folded, or their hands folded. Oh, really? And not do the sign of the peace. And I, th- I think the impression I get is that again, I could be wrong, but the impression I get is that people who who don't do that, and then sometimes the same people won't. You know, won't acknowledge the people around them with the holding the hands of their fathers. They they actually believe, and and many people would say this, and even uh, liturgists would say, you should not be, you should not be holding hands during the Our Father. Others will say, it really should be the case where the sign of peace is moved from that time during right. the anaphora during the consecration to somewhere else. And I think I think they're kind of making a, it's almost like a protest. I, I, yeah. I know people that have said they do that. I don't think anybody, everybody who's doing that is making a protest, but there is certainly a, this is the way it should be done, and this is the way I'm going to. Because in the Roman church, correct me if I'm wrong, but but the priest, it's it's his decision to either have the sign of peace or not, correct? Well, yes. Yeah. I don't, I, that'd be interesting to find out, like, officially. It is. It's optional. Yeah. But um, it's it's basically expected when you're, Doing a public okay. mass because I've been told by different when I when I say mass at different places like we do not do the sign of peace yeah yeah so yeah. I, I even convents I don't think I mean yeah there are places that don't do it but it is like a very old part of, I'm not even sure why it's optional you know I you know at the beginning of the the beginning of the mass you say the Lord be with you or the bishop says peace be with you so mm-hmm. there is a a gesture of peace and a sign of peace and then the line uh, the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you always, right. and with your spirit, is mandatory. Okay, right. Yeah, that's right. there. Exactly. So you're wishing, or you're, or you're asking, giving, granting peace to the others through Christ. So there is an activity of that, but then the sign of peace yeah. is the... And we action. do something similar in the, in the Byzantine rite, and Byzantine, our Byzantine church, um, and that's that the, there was an ancient custom where the people did the exchange of peace during the creed, and and then uh, now any clergy do that. So priests greet, greet other priests, uh, deacons greet other deacons, subdeacons, etc. Um, but that that did fall out of practice among the people. But I, I think you still see it with the Maronites. Some of the Eastern Catholic churches do still do that, where they'll have various signs. Like I think the the Maronite one, if I'm not mistaken, is actually like um, you have the person that's I believe younger. They put their hands together, kind oh, of like yeah. the Roman form of prayer, and then, and then the uh, the older person will kind of it's one way or the other. Then the older person will kind of put their hands on either side of their hands as kind yeah. of an, an a greeting, intimate greeting, and then they kind of pass that along. Or yeah, yeah. you'll see the altar servers kind of walk through the entire congregation during the creed. Uh, you know, I think it's during the creed yeah, for them too. It's, you know, a, it's a great that. visual. Yeah, it it's is like taking like taking something from the other one and then right. giving it to somebody. Else. But it's all it's also not during the during the consecration. I think in the, in the in yeah. the Roman Catholic mindset there is a lot more focus actually this is a difference well, here's let me explain this because i get annoyed when people are like oh okay. take that out because it's it's like distracting from okay. the eucharist okay so there is like in the ambrosian rite when i was in milan they do the sign of peace at the uh, before the offertory okay so you've just done they use the same Novus Ordo Roman Rite, uh, except with a, a few different things. Okay. No, but, you know, love to all my Ambrosian folks. Right. <laughs> um, they, you know, they consider it like it's very important, these, these kind of changes. But um, one is that the sign of peace comes before the offertory comes mm-hmm. up. Jesus said, before you bring your offering to yeah. the table, make peace with your, you know, your yeah. brother, or you're like, fix all the stuff that you had harmed them with, right? Right. So that one's like, it has a theological meaning. And most things in the liturgy have some profound theological meaning. So the sign of peace is, okay, we're going to reconcile everything. We're going to be at peace together before we make this offering, right? Right. So Pope Benedict made a point of like, well, maybe we should all do that that, at that time. And also because it felt a little distracting to have our sign of peace interrupt the middle of the Eucharistic right. prayer, right? So you've just done um, the Our Father, and um, the Eucharist is has been consecrated, and it's present on the altar. There's a certain focus and certain reverence 
for the Eucharist. And then you do the sign of peace, and sometimes, you know, you had, like, priests and altar servers, and everybody's, like, wandering the church now, and mm-hmm. it's almost like you know, Jesus is sitting up there on the altar all alone now. And right. focus used to be right there. Yeah. So there is something that feels a little yeah. awkward about it. However, there is a purpose for it, and has been in the tradition for long enough. It's that we've just said the Our Father, and the reason that we make peace with one another is because we're all children of that single mm. father. And we're reconciled by the presence of Jesus, which is now with us, yeah. and can bring us together as the body of Christ. Amen. So there's a unity between the body of Christ being sacrificed, and that is physically present on the altar, and the mystical body of Christ that is now present here. Yeah. And we're trying to point that out, the unity between the Eucharist and the and the people there yeah. present. So there's... a it, it's it is an appropriate moment. It's just you got to be careful to re- remain reverent, right? And make it make it a a, a a theological activity. Make it part of the prayer. Right. Let it be prayerful and not like, hey, what's up? What's up? You know, it's yeah. not coffee and donuts all right. of a sudden. Right. There's time for that. Yep. It's before mass and after mass. Yeah. This is a liturgical act. Yeah. This is a prayer. So you wish the sign of peace. It can be affectionate, um, but it's not a it's not a, like a break in the action, exactly. like a water break, yeah. and then you get back to it. Yeah. And that's what I think people really yeah. got upset about. I think you're right. I've actually never heard that explanation before. That's beautiful. So it, it, the Eucharist is present, and we've just prayed the Our Father together. So we're acknowledging that it is through Christ's presence that we have communion, and also through the, the, the common ability and reality to, to acknowledge God as our Father. And so yeah. at that point, we, we have another sacramental sign, namely a greeting, yeah. a, a sacramental sign of our union with each other and our peace with each other. And it's through Jesus's peace, it's like that Maronite activity of yeah. passing it, yeah. that we can be reconciled with each other. We yeah. need God's grace to be reconciled. So it's not like before Jesus comes, let's do it ourselves, right. because we can't. Yeah. You know, you yeah. gotta you gotta open the door to Jesus, let him in, yeah. and then the, then the reconciliation happens. So I don't. They're liturgical signs. Yeah, they're both beautiful. They're both part of the tradition, and it's kind of it is an option. But I think it's it's kind of a shame to drop that mm. that option. Yeah, one of the uh, in the Byzantine right, we we do it. Uh, we do it right, right. So you do it during the creed, but 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 the uh, the priest turns around and says, "Let us love one another, so that with one mind we may profess." Mm. And the people respond, "Father, Son, and Holy Spirit." So, there there, so it's like it's, similar, it's only yeah. in unity do we profess God as Trinity. So like unity with each other, we profess God as unity. So three persons and one God. You know, ninety people in church. The unity in Christ as well through theosis, and then the people greet each other as as a physical sign of that. So I wouldn't mind bringing it back into our Byzantine rite. You know, I I don't know any liturgist who who would. I don't know how long we've been without it, but it certainly is in our tradition. Yeah. Well, okay. So this was not the topic. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's great. I think these little excursions, especially when they're like relevant and and present, and we just did this thing. So. I don't know how far we are, but do you want to hear anything about I don't. Psalm 23? Uh, yeah, I would say maybe pick one psalm, but we probably should not go more than 20 minutes. Yeah. Okay, okay. let's do it. 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah I think even we can better. Do okay. 10 minutes. Cool. So I just want to point out a few things. Like, I, I was going to talk about my, two of my favorite psalms and why you should memorize them. Mm. Um, I'm going to save one of them. So my two favorite are or two of my favorite. I love a lot of psalms, but um, Psalm 51 is the penitential psalm that David, traditionally, David prays. He wrote this song of sorrow and of repentance that yes. he wrote when he got caught in this affair right. by Nathan. And Nathan says, you have lost yourself. You know, you... Um, he David had just sent the husband of Bathsheba, to war, to be killed. Mm. And he knew what he was doing. Put him on the front lines, you know, expose him to the danger, and then he'll be killed so he can take the wife. And he had already, you know, fathered a child with her, and so this adultery was a mess. So Nathan comes to him and uh, says, there was once a man, tells him this parable about the little sheep, you know. There was was once a man who... um, 
had a poor guy who had a little sheep and it was the, he the, the, it was his heart he loved that sheep more than anything he took care of that sheep day and night it was his only possession you know it was his hope it provided a, a, a cloak for his back and um you know milk for his table or yeah. I, I think i'm embellishing the <laughs> but then there was a rich Making man who lived own. next door and a neighbor came and um the rich man had lots of sheep Somebody yeah. came, yeah, from far, and the, this guy, the rich man, needed to host him at his at his house. Mm. So instead of taking from his own flock, he took the poor man's little beloved sheep, right, and um, and fed it to his, you know, killed it and fed it to his thing. He and and David gets all mad, you know, King David. He says, "Who is this guy? I'm gonna, you know, he, I, he should be killed." Right. What a what a jerk. Right. And Nathan says, you are the man. <laughs> you are the rich man, yeah. Yeah, it's such a cool parable. I mean, it's so perfect, yeah. right? And um, and David repents. So that's the the beauty of this whole mm-hmm. thing, is the prophet's job was to remind David, you are the man. And then David's job as king was to recognize his own fault and feel contrition and then to uh, to repent. So... He he does, and in the story that that we hear from uh, the histories, they um, God forgives him but punishes him, and then uh, he kind of moves on. Mm-hmm. But part of the heroism of David and the reason that he walked with God and was one of the great kings of Israel is that he repented of his sin, mm-hmm. and that distinguishes him from some of his you know, his progeny, like his sons, yeah. who make mistakes, that's okay. People make mistakes. They right. sin. But they get, you got to realize this is the real damage that it can do right. and repent. So he prays this thing, Lord, have mercy on me in your kindness and your compassion blot out my offense. And uh, we prayed that at this liturgy yeah, and uh, as a penitential rite, really, right? Because well, the, there was twice yeah. when you were incensing things. The, whenever whenever a, a clergyman incenses the church... Um, he prays Psalm 50, what we call Psalm 50, the Septuagint Psalm 50, um, Masoretic Psalm 51. So yeah, Psalm 51, um, pray it, and they, they pray it as they're incensing, generally because incensations are, are transitions. So you're going from kind of one section of liturgy to another, and so you're infusing that transition with an attitude of kenosis, of self-emptying, of penance. So I, I don't think this is the case, but like I always imagine as I'm incensing the church, the incense is a sign of our prayer, our prayer rising to heaven, sweet-smelling prayer rising to heaven. The incense is also kind of a purification. It, yeah. You know, you incense the walls of the church before the divine liturgy begins. You incense the people. You incense the altar. It's a, it's a preparation, a purification, and and in in a sense, when the priest is praying Psalm fifty-one during that time, he is he is emptying himself, purifying himself in a sense um, in a liturgical action and preparing for the next action that that demands purity. Yeah, so. and in the middle of that psalm, it says, "You know, create a pure heart in me, yeah. O Lord. Yeah. You know, renew my heart." And it's got a beautiful image at the end that's like rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, yeah. and then you will accept the sacrifices that I make. But my life is chaos. I I interpret that often, like spiritually and personally. Mm. My life is chaos. Everything's falling apart. It's susceptible to danger and yeah. to temptation and to evil, and uh, it's just in disarray. And I can't I can't do the work, yeah. Lord recreate me set things right and then yeah. my prayer will come to you and i've it, it's like um you kind of feel like a hypocrite you know we we're saved by god god is our loving father but you if you're living in sin or you're just like in a state of disarray like that and the walls are down yeah. and you've you just your life is a mess you kind of feel, I do at least, feel just like kind of a hypocrite or unwelcome um, in the presence of God. Mm. Like th- there's something so s- holy and pure about the presence of God. Right. And I'm, I met a woman this past week, and my sister and I went up to uh, Julesburg in, on the border of Nebraska. It was the, it's the only stop on the Pony Express in Colorado. And they're oh. very proud of that. All right. Yeah. It was cool. It was really fun. But I remember at one point we we made friends with this woman and she was just like kind of had a rough life. Oh, no, not kind of had a rough mm-hmm. life. She had a real rough life. But my sister invited her to come to mass and she said, "No, if I go to church, the walls will fall down." Huh. 
<laughs> you know? Right. And she's joking about it, but it was sad to me because I was like, everybody's welcome, you know? Right. You come, and that's where you meet God, and that's what's going to put the walls back together, you right. know, if, of your heart, of your life. And you don't feel welcome because you think you're a bad person. And that's exactly who this, you know, Jesus came to call sinners, right. not the righteous. And But I understand that feeling. I sympathized with her, yeah. too, because I feel the same way. Like, if, if I'm just struggling, or if I'm weak, or if sin is a part of my life, or I feel tempted or whatever, I just feel like kind of not, just like dirty or something. Yeah. Like, well, wait till I get things together, and then I'll come yeah. to the presence of God. Wait till I feel better about life. Right. Wait till I'm not angry. Wait till I'm, you know... But this, I think the, the beauty of the psalm is that you, you're feeling something real and good, this contrition, mm-hmm. this inadequacy in the face of God. It's not because God is judging you. It's not because God dislikes you. It's not because you're unwelcome. It's because we, we really, uh, we know the consequences of our sin. We don't want to hurt people. Right. We don't want to mess up. Right. And we do. Right. You can't help doing that. Yeah. You will mess up. <laughs> yeah. um, but we want to pretend that we don't, you know, or just forget about it as soon as possible. What's better, what's healthier, what's happier in the long run with God and just for a human being's peace is to repent, right? you know, to show contrition, to say, I messed up, to, you know, to own it, and then to ask God for, you, you recreate me, you know? Right. And so this psalm, I think, is perfect for those penitential rites. There's something almost scandalous. I prayed with you the other night, uh, visiting Compline. Yeah. And, and there's something, like, we're, we, were, we were four priests all praying it together. But, but, and so we're kind of, you know, I, I was invested. I was just praying the prayers as a, as a reader would to do a reader version. But, but if, if you're in a congregation and you have either the, like, if you're in a monastery and you have the hegumen, the abbot of the monastery doing it, or if you're in a congregation in a parish and the pastor's doing it, the pastor's standing up there for that big, long prayer to the Mother of God, the Theotokos, and he's saying, like, I've lived a day of absolute depravity. Like, mm. I was impure, I was prideful, and the, here, here's the leader of the community standing up there wow. saying, what, what a horrible day I had. And at the end of the day, I, I'm, I'm calling upon you, Mother of God, who are the most pure one? We call her the most pure one over and over again. You're the most pure one. You've seen my various impurities throughout the day. And, and now I'm asking you to not turn away from me, not be ashamed of me, but, but I know you've said you will welcome me in. And, and so you, when you see your leader, when you see the person who's supposed to be inspiring with a good life saying these things, and then you immediately go into the, the uh, chapter of faults, where then the, then the priest or the abbot turns around, does a prostration and says, please forgive me any wrong I've done today in word, deed, or thought with all my spiritual and bodily faculties. He makes a prostration to the ground. The people then ritually say, we forgive you, Father. Yeah. Have, please forgive us. And then they do a prostration. Then he says, may God forgive you also. And then they, then they go on with their day. But it's this, I think if more, it's hard. It's really hard. And it's um, to find, if, if we as priests and, and therefore kind of ordained leaders in the community can find this through wisdom, can find this balance between like, sacra, like sacramentalized repentance. Like, how often do I tell my people, my children, my, my parishioners, how often do I tell them, I'm a man in need of repentance? When, but it takes wisdom because people also need to see strength and growth. Yeah. So they don't just want to hear over and over again, I'm a horrible sinner, I'm a horrible sinner. But yeah. Like, I'm a horrible sinner, I have my faults, but I also have made strides by God's grace to become better. And it, it, it's hard being a leader, it's hard being a parent, it's hard being a pastor, and anybody who's going to lead souls to find that balance between, I don't want anybody to think they cannot walk into the church or cannot say a prayer of repentance because this is a praise for people that are perfect. No, you know we're we're here because we need we we need growth and repentance. But if you meet this woman, it is hard to say like, what do I just start telling her my sins? Yeah, like, right. is that the right thing to do? Do I yeah, just yeah. say, oh no no, you have no idea. Let me tell you what I did yesterday. You know, you don't yeah. want to do that either. But and you want to you, you want <laughs> people in that situation want hope. Right, I can change. Yeah, things can change. Yeah. and if you over sympathize <laughs> or just kind of like I mean there is yeah like you say there's a balance between you know we are sinners and um, identifying with that and then also identifying with the real graces that have 
um, that signify conversion. Like I'm not bound to this stuff the way that I once was. Right. You know? That my pride, my judgment, yeah, that's real. It yeah. flares up sometimes. Yeah. But it's like a dormant volcano. Right. <laughs> you right. Know? It's it, it could it could surprise you sometimes, yeah. but it's not going to burn everybody that it comes in contact with. You right. Know? And I, and I think that's why testimonies are so important. Like people will say here's where I was and here's where I've grown. And that can be as inspiring or not more inspiring to someone who says, I mean, I'm, I make jokes all the time. Like if I'm doing a Roman wedding and, and the, uh, the best man is not Catholic, like if he's holding the rings in his hand and I'm going to bless the rings in his hand, it's going to get, he's obviously going to get holy water all over his hand. And I'll make a joke about like, if you're going to start sizzling, just, it you might know. come from his, um, deviated. Right. <laughs> what is it called? Esophageal strictures. Esophageal yeah. strictures. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's, you know, there's, there's like that, that, those jokes, but you're right. That, that is honestly a big issue. I think right now, if we had to say, Shep, you just wrote a beautiful blog about, you know, we're, we're, uh, it was, it was about, you know, welcoming um, people with homosexual tendencies into the parishes. Like, mm-hmm. what do we do with them? And what is the bigger issue? Is the bigger issue in our parishes, um, welcoming people in, or is it calling people on to holiness? Mm. And he was saying the issue is calling people on to holiness. Most of our parishes, most Catholics, if someone who was same-sex attracted walked into the church and said, I'm same-sex attracted, uh, same-sex attracted can I pray with you? most people in our parish would say yes. I mean, I would think, I would hope. Yeah. But but he said the bigger issue is, is that is being too gentle with any sort of sin and saying you're, you're fine the way you are, you don't need to grow, just kind of be, just be here. Yes, there's a time for that, but we also need to be moving towards yeah. truth and holiness. Well, I think you got to know that's like at the beginning of Mass, we start with a penitential rite, and we self-identify as sinners. I'd love to point that out because... Right? It's like an AA meeting or something. Yeah. You know, you get in there and you say, I have sinned. I'm the sinner. Yeah. I'm not looking around to find the sinner and to let them know that they're the sinner. I'm the sinner and I need God's grace. And we're all welcome here yeah. because he came to call sinners. And uh, so when that person comes in, they should just feel like, I mean, yeah, they should feel inspired to grow in holiness. Right. And they should find a community that doesn't just say, oh, yeah, okay, you're the messed up one. You know, welcome to a community of purity right. that can show you the the way. Right. It should be you find a bunch of people and you're like, okay, you struggle with that. Well, I struggle with judgment. Yeah. I struggle with gossip. Yeah, I struggle with this and that, and I'm working on it too. But right. God can help me, yeah. and God can help you, and that's why we're here. You know, yeah. but you, it should be a community of sympathy. The welcome is fake if right. people are not aware of their own sinfulness. Right. So it's good for us to grow in awareness of our sinfulness. And it's scary. Right. It's scary because I don't like to admit that. Yeah. And I want to say everything's perfect. I'm in heaven now. Right. And we're not. No. <laughs> and everybody else around you knows yeah. we're not because they deal with your sin. Yeah. But then these kinds of prayers really help to kind of do that in a gentle way. It's the Christian way to be able to admit fault without losing hope and, yeah. and with even growing closer to God. Yeah. You know, that woman who anoints Jesus' feet and she, he says, she loves much because she was forgiven much. Yeah. You know, a lot of the saints are the ones who are deeply aware of their own sinfulness yeah. and are just filled with gratitude that God is in their life yeah. and God is, you know, protecting them and um, has saved them, yeah. you know. So, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing in our, in our community, the companions. I think there's 11 of us right now. We've got a couple guys discerning. But like within our, our, our fraternity of priests, we could all name the other 10 guys' weaknesses. I mean, we, we could all point out what... Long lists. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, here's where they're weak. Here's where they need repentance. Here's where they sin over and over and over again. But, but th- there is... I have never seen any, like, judgment or hesitation... With, with community or with communion with with a, with a guy in the fraternity because of their sins, it's like we you know nobody's going to ask me to to organize a conference. Like organization and planning is not my strong point. Yeah, that that's a, weakness, a weak point for yeah. me. But like, but so we'll, we'll we'll pass that on to Brady or John. You know, it's like Father Brady or Father John. Like we'll do that. We'll do that for them. But we all also know each other's strengths. So if we're organizing something or doing something as a mission or a ministry, we 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 know each other's weaknesses. But that that, that only I think makes the bond and the mission stronger. There, there there's no 
shame. I've, at least I've never seen it. I oh. hope there never is. And if there is, we, we apologize and move on. But And hopefully there's enough self-awareness and repentance right? where if a guy yeah. comes to you and he says, dude, you do this. Don't do this. Right. You know? Right. Um, I can... It, it, yeah, and then then you could say instead of saying like oh like that shouldn't happen in a loving community it should happen yeah fine whatever I know you're right I'm sorry I'm trying not to do that right you know? it's yeah. just easier with a com- a community that way so yeah. anyway um, Psalm 51 go yeah. and memorize it yeah. uh, have mercy on me in your kindness and your compassion blot out my offense is the way it starts in case because there's 50 and 51 yeah. and it's confusing depends on if your Bible is Going with the Hebrew Psalms yeah. or the most Greek most Bibles are going to be Psalm fifty one. Yeah, yeah. So it's super beautiful in the Roman Rite um, in the Liturgy of the Hours. We pray this every Friday morning. It's like the first thing you do on Friday morning mm-hmm. is uh, pray this because that's nice. like Penance Day and yeah. um, the Day of the Crucifixion. So I think it's just profoundly beautiful and a really important part of life. The next one is going to be Psalm 23, right. The Lord is my shepherd. Teaser. There is nothing I shall want. Yeah. Uh, another little lamb psalm nice. um, from David. So um, work on this one, folks. Yeah. I'm, I'm serious about memorization. If you think you can't, I guarantee you can. Right. There's people out there who memorize whole movie scripts. Yeah. and uh, That's their I, job. They do I it every go day. and yeah. try it. This one is very well worth putting the time into. And it could be a little game, you know, at work. You're bored for a second, yeah. and you can try to recite this thing. Before you're going to bed, you recite this thing. Yeah. And it, it's just, you got to do it over and over and over again. And, but I, I pray Psalm 50 by memory probably five or six times a day. I do it first thing in the morning after the Trisazian prayers. I pray Psalm 50. Yeah. And then there's throughout the day, if I, if I feel, oh, shoot, I, I messed up, I did something, it's just, it's the first thing on my lips. Yeah. Have mercy, may God, and your kindness, and your compassion. I have to get back into it, to be honest. I, Tried reciting it to myself. Oh. <laughs> I've remember well. Sometimes I've I've worked on them in uh, foreign languages to practice oh, right. foreign languages, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I've got like Latin and okay. and uh, little Hebrew versions and right. stuff, and kind of mixing me up. So I need to get back into this. And um, yeah, it's just repetition. Is uh, they say repetitio mater memoria est in mm. Latin. Uh, repetition is the mother of all learning. Mm. So just re- re- repeat it and repeat it. And repeat yeah. it. Okay, I went over. I yeah, did I think we're good. Minutes. That's uh, shout outs. Do you have anything? Shout outs, uh, Mike Morris. Nice. I am sorry that I didn't get you in on this. Um, I tried to get contacts. I kind of lost your thing, but I texted Mike, your old number today, and somebody who I don't know said wrong number. Yeah, we <laughs> we texted old Morris. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mike Morris is a great guy. He's a brilliant scholar. He got his PhD from Trinity College in Dublin. I recently had a great conversation with him about um, exorcism and apotropaism in Qumran. Okay. If for all the curious out there, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those technical books, but it's really fascinating. Nice. Um, he writes about how that well, basically to explain it very quickly, um, there were uh, there were exorcism prayers in first century Judaism that would cast out demons, hmm. but there was also a kind of prayer that would protect people hmm. from becoming possessed. Yeah. And he studies those prayers, uh, apotropaic prayers, okay. in the Dead Sea Scrolls and then um, locates them in the Gospels. Nice. And it's really fascinating and cool. cool. So I wanted to have him on. He's moving to Bismarck to be a professor at University of Mary, a great school in Bismarck, North Dakota. So um, best of luck to you, buddy. I'm sorry we didn't get you on. Look forward to when we can. Yeah, exactly. Next time you're back in town. All right, a couple of shout-outs from me. Uh, just a couple. We had uh, the Lisa Marie Hunt was consecrated a virgin a couple weeks yeah, ago. I know she got a shout-out already, um, but I'll like shout her out as well. But Temecula. a bunch of your family and friends came from Temecula, from San Diego, from Southern California. Anyway, one of the guys I met, Wes Schaefer, Wes, S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R, has a, a podcast called The Sales Podcast. Anyway, good good Catholic guy from Temecula. If you want to, if you want to pull up a, a non-Catholic-oriented podcast, but one done by a Catholic, I'm sure it's done well. I've not listened yet, but I will. Uh, Wes Schaefer, the Sales Podcast, and also my Deacon, Deacon Basil Balky, and uh, one of my parishioners, Sarah Stacy, and um, some of their Catholic psychotherapist friends have a new podcast called the Catholic Psyche Podcast. Oh boy, Catholic P A S Y C H E Podcast. <laughs> um, so I, I know I think they just did one on hope or anxiety or something. Anyway, um, I. 
I, I listened into the door when they were recording one time, but I've not actually listened to the podcast yet, but they sound like they were having a lot of fun and touching on um, a lot of their psychotherapist training. So Catholic Psyche podcast and the sale pot sales podcast. If you want to check those out. Oh, and a final one to all of those awesome Catholics in Julesburg and especially nice. in Crook, Colorado. Nice. Crook's a town of about 200 people. Oh, my gosh. And uh, they had some wonderful Catholics I met over at the, okay. St. Peter's Parish in Crook, Colorado. Nice. So God bless you all. God bless you, Father O'Brien, who's the good pastor of the corner of Colorado. <laughs> nice. All right, all. Thanks so much for listening. God bless you. Love you. Thanks for what you do. Thank you.